longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Only those who will risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. T.S. Eliot. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America's Kids Network. I'm Katie Chu and today's show is about the gift of exploration. I'm Brigitte Gia. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. It's always the season for giving, so give big. So in this segment, Be The Star You Are reporter Chelsea Pelchat will be talking about the importance of exploration in history in her segment, Past Present. Take it away, Chelsea. Hey guys, it's Chelsea, and I'm back with yet another, with another addition to my segment, Past Present. For this week's theme of the gift of exploration, I'm excited to talk to you about the age of exploration and the factors that catapulted the European continent into this era. If you were paying attention in history class, the names Bartholomew Diaz, Hernando Cortez, and Christopher Columbus may ring a bell. Most likely, they came up while you were learning about the period of time between the 1400s and the 1600s when Europeans set out on expeditions to discover new lands, establish trading routes, and gain territory. It was during this time that much of the world was mapped and the once isolated civilizations began coming into contact with each other. Now, you may ask, Exactly why did this new surge of exploration and discovery take place specifically during this time? Why would sailors leave their families behind and risk everything, never returning back by sailing into the vast and unknown? Well, the answer lies mainly in what most people like to call the three G's, God, gold, and glory. So let's break each G down. The first is God. At the time, religion was a focal point in the everyday lives of Europeans. This meant that when they were traveling to foreign lands, they often thought of it as part of their mission to convey their ideologies and educate or enlighten the people that they meet. In fact, when I took AP European History last year, we read passages from the journal entries written by Christopher Columbus that offered insight into what he was thinking during his expeditions, and most of it was about how he viewed himself as God's messenger, how he was on a holy mi- he was on a holy mission. To Christianize foreign lands. The second G is gold. Now, this one should come as a no-brainer. I mean, think back to when you were eight and watching Pirates of the Caribbean, where they pine after the treasure and gold, where that's enough motivation for them to 
raid towns, and risk their lives battling other ships. It's pretty much the same thing here. The conquistadors, or Spanish explorers, were primarily looking for gold and silver when they conquered the Native Americans of the New World. And in response to the question I asked earlier of why sailors chose to risk so much, the answer mostly lies here. They hoped to acquire riches for themselves and their country, coming back as a revered hero with a life of luxury just waiting ahead for them. Gold also refers to the search of material gain through acquiring and selling Asian spices, meaning trade falls under this category as well. Additionally, the rise of the Byzantine Empire and the Ottoman Turks meant that traveling to Asia by land was no longer an option, that rising power established commercial access to the Mediterranean and the ancient sea routes from the east. The final G is glory. The explorers often prided themselves on their mission to bring power and prestige back to their country. When the monarchs sent the men on their way, their focus was to establish claims to new territories so as to strengthen their positions in European politics and remain competitive as one of the dominant powers. Now, when we think back to the question of exactly why did it happen during this time, we can see that the answer doesn't necessarily completely fall into one of the three categories we just listed. In fact, it was, a, it, it was the advancement in technology that was the main reason as to why the exploration became a realistic feat. Inventions such as the Caravel, which was a ship known for its excellent maneuvering and agility, made traveling across the Atlantic and Pacific possible. They used, before, they used these smaller boats called galleys on smaller expeditions and fishing, fishing trips. Yet, it was proven to be never strong enough to withstand the fury of the Atlantic waves. Other inventions such as improved maps, the magnetic compass, and astrolabs were made, and they made navigation a whole lot easier, so the sailors wouldn't have to worry about, you know, setting off for India and ending up in Antarctica with the penguins. Now, before we conclude the segment today, (laughs) I want to remind you of the parallels that we can all draw from the era of exploration. Those who were sailing into the unknown were doing it in hopes of a better future, of adventure, of living their lives to the fullest and grasping all the opportunities presented to them. Sure, there were risks and definitely fear, yet they were able to overcome that and pursue their dreams. Without their courage and curiosity, who knows how much longer it would have taken for the nations across the world to form an interconnected web of commerce and communication. Similarly, I want you to think about something that you've always been wanting to do, whether it be applying to that dream college asking your boss for that raise, or even climbing all the way up to Mount Everest if you so wish to do so. And up until now, there are certain things that probably have been holding you back. You're afraid of rejection. Rejection from your dream university, from your boss. What if they say no? Embarrassment, too. What if you, you know, danger? What if you fall off the mountain as you're climbing it, or, you know, even freeze to death as so many have done? And now I want you to put yourself in the shoes of those sailors back in the 1400s. What do you think they were thinking before deciding to get on that ship and be a part of the expedition? They probably felt the same things you are feeling right now. Afraid of embarrassments. What if they failed to reach a destination or come home empty-handed? What if there's a storm and they'll never see their family again? Those what-ifs. They sound very familiar, don't they? And yet, it's their vision and their dream 
that propelled our world into one of the most impactful times it's ever witnessed. So I want you to remember, just as the sailors did, dream big, go after that goal, and never let fear stop you. Yeah, definitely, you know, that a good adage to really live by. And Chelsea, I like how you brought up, um, you know, the technological revolution that was happening at the time. Um, what's interesting is that you know, whenever there's been a sort of revolution, um, you know, like uh, an age of advancement in human history, I think we've had four so far. Uh, we've always seen a lot of traveling, a lot of exploration, uh, a lot of uh, humanity kind of spreading out across the globe. And I think it's pretty cool um, that you brought that, you know, that aspect up. And we're kind of seeing that right now, you know, where some scientists consider us to be in a new age of um, a new revolution, the technological revolution. And we see a lot of like travel apps and like, you know, leisure travel aids coming up um, on our iPhones. And I thought that was kind of cool. And so you mentioned the competition amongst the European powers. Um, and I'd like to know who were the dominant ones in the overseas expansions and what factors led to their success over the other competitors? I would definitely say that the answer would be depending on the location specifically. Like, for example, the French um, dominated in the East Coast near Canada, present-day Canada. Um, but overall, the Spanish were the most successful. And they were the ones that gold. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And shortly after the age of um, expansion, I'd say that they rose to be one of the top European powers because of all the gold that they acquired in Northern California, Northern America. Um, and they were the ones who really kicked off the era of exploration with Columbus in 1492, as well as being the first to circumnavigate the globe with Magellan's voyage. As a side note, some may say that the Portuguese were prominent in the rise of the era as well. And that point is valid too, as it's true. Prince Henry, the navigator, a Portuguese monarch, Founded the navigation, founded the first navigation school back in 1419, well before Columbus sailed across the ocean. But it was after those initial Spanish voyages that the other European powers, such as England and France, realized that they should probably get on the game too and set out to stake some land for themselves, you know, before the Spanish claims it all. And I think the reason, um, it was mostly just um, the technology and, and the amount of wealth that the nation had accumulated at that time, um, Spain, they had um, they had a pretty good empire at that time. You know, 1492, the the Reconquista the had just finished, and yeah, yeah they had like the Iberian Peninsula, and they had yeah. the Netherlands under their control, <laughs> and then yeah, yeah, and then you have like England, you know, seeing all those giant ships filled with gold, and then Sir Francis Drake was like, yo, you know, I mean. It's, what was it? I think yeah, he took like three years to just raid all those ships, and then he came back, and Queen Elizabeth was like, "Okay, all right, we gotta, we gotta get on this bandwagon." <laughs> oh, but yeah, that's like super, you know, interesting that you've got all of these different power struggles going around, you know, going across the globe, which is cool, and. Um, so now we see a lot of like, you know, in today's era, we see a lot of outer space travel that's getting popular. You've got Elon Musk, you know, going to Mars and then they just determined like, 
I think there might be reserves of water on the moon, which is super interesting. And then I think what's nice about today's age is we've got a lot of personalized travel going on. We've got a lot of um, different programs for individuals who want to see the world, which I think is pretty cool as well. Um, and so, Chelsea, is it also true that the age of exploration is what first gave the rest of the world a taste for chocolate? That is true. I mean, uh, my freshman year of high school, I actually did a speech on chocolate. And um, I, part, of, part of that taught me that, yeah, definitely, you know, when Hernando Cortez arrived in um, the Aztec civilization back in 1517, that is when the, the Europeans first got a taste for chocolate. He sent some chocolate back and, you know, it just kind of spread like wildfire. You know, these, <laughs> you, you know how we have these coffee shops, like you see Starbucks maybe like a mile away. They would have that. You know, maybe a little bit more spread out since it wasn't as densely populated, but it would be like chocolate houses. And they thought of um, chocolate as a drink for the gods. And it was funny because when the Europeans arrived, the Aztec civilization thought that the Europeans might have been, you know, messengers of God or maybe in forms of God himself. Yeah, because they had the prophecy, huh? Yeah, and so they presented them with, you know, the drink of the gods and... Oh, chocolate um, is what it was called back then, and it was actually a liquid drink. It was very bitter, mm-hmm. and but it was definitely one of the yeah. um, sorts mm-hmm. of yeah, chocolate just spreading yeah. all over Europe. Yeah, exploration definitely led to so many different things that we have today. So, And, you know, it's still going on today, and people are encouraged to go everywhere around the world, especially with all the advancements today that give them the opportunities. So thanks, Chelsea, so much for this great conversation. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. For more info on how to do this, go to www.bethestarur.com and follow our blog. I'm Katie Chu. Virginia, more information is at our website at bethestarur.org, as already said. And don't go anywhere as we continue our discussion about the gift of exploration. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. I'm Brigitte Gia, and you are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, Brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. For this segment, we are discussing the gift of exploration. And I'm Katie Chu. 
Today we have a new reporter joining us here on Express Yourself. His name is Jack Polakos, and his segment, Trends Without Ends, is all about the trends going on in the world today. Jack is a freshman high school student in the Bay Area. He enjoys music and has been playing blues harmonica for over six years. In 2015, he was awarded a Youth Recipient Grant from the Society for the Preservation and Advancement of the Harmonica. He likes to spend time with friends and enjoys working out. With that, let's welcome Jack onto the show. Hi, Jack. Hello. Um, yeah, my name is Jack Palacos, and I'm, I'm really excited to be presenting my first ever segment for Be the Star You Are on the Gift of Exploration. In my portion, Trends Without Ends, we're going to be discussing what trends are going on in exploration and as there are many ways to explore these, as there's many ways to explore these trends, and many of them involve different travel experiences, I'm going to explain how recent innovations in technology allow us to explore pretty much the entire world without ever leaving our living room. When it comes to traveling, a few things immediately come to mind. These things include expenses, time span, hotels, and obviously the location. Planning a trip can't be too costly, otherwise it ruins the pleasurable and exciting experience of traveling. If it's too expensive, sometimes you just flat out can't go. It also needs to take up the perfect amount of time, allowing for the trip to compensate with work, school, or whatever activities you're going to be temporarily leaving behind. And lastly, where do you actually want to go? In this amazing world that we live in, there's thousands of unforgettable places to tour, each one claiming to be an absolute must-visit. Unfortunately, the average person isn't able to visit them all, and is then forced to choose which attraction they would like to visit. However, advancements in VRS or virtual reality systems allow us to experience thousands of tourist sites for actually a very reasonable price. Some VR headsets can set you back $100 and used ones can go for as little as $50. Um, Now, even though you don't get to experience like things such as the food, the smells and the lines in air and the lines in airport security, um, you, the 360-degree pan, panorama images with high-definition coloring and shading allow for a pretty similar experience to the real thing. Due to its decreasing price and high-quality graphics that are getting better with each day, VR systems are becoming increasingly popular and trending, trendier too. This can mean good things for exploration. People are now able to travel all across the world without going through the pain of and the cost and the time. Exploration feeds our curiosity, and it fills us with knowledge. It allows us to experience all kinds of different feelings. Through exploration, we're able to become happier, more courageous, and more adventurous. We're able to experience all all the different kinds of cultures around the world. And to be able to gain that from your living room is truly amazing. Yeah, definitely. You know, the VR technology has really you know it's expanded exponentially <laughs> expanded exponentially oh, yeah. <laughs> um you know in a short amount of time i remember my friend uh, is very invested in vr and he had an oculus rift um in seventh grade that cost him 300 dollars. he saved up for it he worked really hard and then i talked to him maybe a year or so later he was like yeah no, I don't use that anymore. It's not great. You know, I got this new thing. And I was like, what do you mean? You've saved for so long to get this. And now it's gone. And so uh, I just thought it was really interesting how fast that market entirely has grown. And so, Jack, you know, um, you've given us a lot of great information about exploration and its benefits in the VR world. And so why do people really just explore? You know, why do they want to explore? Why do they want to go out 
um, you know, away from their comfort zone. Um, well, studies have, uh, recent studies have shown that people mainly explore in order to feed their curiosity and experience uh, high quality places that are, uh, I guess, kind of like um, very like popular that people make out to be really important. Uh, it helps people to feel more adventurous and it allows them to experience different historical occurrences. Uh, and they can also, uh, people nowadays also, it's becoming more of a trend to become more cultured and learn about different cultures. So people are trying to travel all across the world so that they can uh, experience different cultures and learn how other people live. And uh, people also enjoy the beautiful scenery because uh, many places that people tour to have extremely beautiful scenery. So that's mainly why people explore. Mm. Yeah, um, actually about a month ago, I went to Peru to visit you know, Machu Picchu and everyone, oh my gosh. Yeah, everyone so who I talked to was like, Oh, you know, but like there are so many pictures online now, you know, that you can probably experience it, you know, in front of your computer. And that's what I thought, too, when I was going there. I thought maybe it won't be as amazing because I've already seen every part of it on the computer. You know, I actually did research for it for a project during school. So I figured, oh, it won't be as amazing as people actually say. But when I actually got there and saw it, you know, in real life, it was really, you know, amazing. And that feeling of actually being there you know, what Jack was just talking about, of being like experiencing the scenery itself, right, in face-to-face real life. It's actually, you know, a whole different feeling. So I can definitely understand why people would say exploration does really let you feel something that you can't feel, you know, back at home. But then again, you know, the VR systems that are kind of becoming more popular, that's definitely helping people who aren't able to go places, whether it's because of time or resources, you know, experience that uh, in a more real way. So, Jack, now that we're talking back about virtual reality, where is virtual reality in terms of its trendiness right now? Uh, Well, as we speak, virtual reality is actually, the industry is actually skyrocketing. Uh, It's been around for around a decade, but the graphics, uh, the graphics were never very high quality and it never felt very realistic. Uh, and as again with that there weren't very many places you could actually see in virtual reality because it was still being developed but um, as of now within the next decade it's um, this industry it's expected to generate billions and billions of dollars um, and the new enhanced graphics allow you to turn around in completely uh, in a complete 360 degree, uh, and this allows you to feel like you're completely in the place because you can turn around in a circle and see every last bit of the area that you're traveling to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny because I have a Google Cardboard sitting next to me right now. <laughs> um, it's just right next to my desk. And yeah, you know, definitely I agree with you how um, that virtual reality really has a lot of potential and really skyrocketing man like there's so many different things you can do with virtual reality and we got we've got you know different types of virtual reality i feel like too with like pokemon go you guys that that (laughs) trend that happened maybe a year ago that was pretty big as well and that's definitely i guess a form of virtual reality i thought it was really neat 
Um, and so we've talked a lot about virtual reality and how it may help with exploration. Um, but does virtual reality ruin the experience of real exploration? Um, well, yes and no. It does kind of spoil the sights of the tourist attraction that you're seeing in the virtual reality. But if I'm being honest, virtual reality doesn't come close to the real experience of like the noises, the smells, the texture of objects, and the food you would get to eat. Uh, it, it just it does you don't get all of that important stuff, but it can act I guess kind of as like a trailer for people who are if you're unsure of where you want to visit, you can use virtual reality and get a pretty a pretty good idea of all the different places, um, that like all the different details of the place you want to go to. So it doesn't really ruin the experience but it can spoil it if you want it to be a complete surprise. Wow. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a pretty cool way of thinking about it. And Katie, you described that basically with Machu Picchu as well, right? <laughs> yeah. No, what I found really interesting was, I guess I never really, you know, kind of thought about how popular virtual reality is becoming. But when I went to Peru, I actually met, you know, with a family friend who lives there and she's a, she's a middle schooler and she was talking about how at their school they were passing out, you know, those cardboard virtual, the virtual realities that you can use with iPhones. And I guess it just <laughs> never really, you know, came to mind that it's not just here, but it's kind of becoming like a worldwide thing, like, you know where everyone can use VRs and they can just pass it out at school and everyone's suddenly in France, you know? <laughs> so, Jack, um, since we've talked a lot about VRs, are there any other trends in exploration? Um, well, currently, it's becoming increasingly popular to visit small and beautiful areas that aren't as commonly known as tourist attractions, like... Um, beaches that people don't go to often or other examples are like when Cuba was opened for tourist attraction uh, or areas where ecosystems might be threatened such as the Great Beef, Great Barrier Reef or Antarctica. Um, people, it, um, I touched on this uh, briefly earlier, but people are also becoming more interested in exploring other cultures, specifically cultures that have hardships. And they're trying to use their time to improve the living conditions so that, um, yeah, they that's becoming a pretty increasingly popular trend lately. That's a good thing. Yes. Helping people out. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. I think even um, with, like, cities and you know, tourists going to popular attraction spots, um, I've seen, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and when I go to the city, I uh, go to San Francisco, and you can you can kind of tell that, like, people don't like the Pier 39, like, big touristy attraction places anymore. They kind of gravitate towards local cafes. You know, you want to be local, or you want to be seen as one of the locals, I think, <laughs> is kind of the trend that's going on right now, which is kind of cool, because you've got more areas that are really quite pretty and quite nice that are coming to people's attention through maybe social media. Um, and this new trend is bringing new things to light, which is pretty nice. Um, you know what's interesting, though, uh, hopping back onto VR real quick, that I read recently um, that humans have kind of innate connection to nature. 
And when you're working in an office and you're not exploring, you know, your surroundings and going out into uh, more remote places, when you're living in an urban setting, you kind of lose that connection and you lose a lot of health benefits that come with that connection. And so apparently a study has shown that office workers who uh, had giant screens in their office setting playing like nature feeds, like live nature feeds, did a lot better. Um, they, they produced more um, results in their work. And they also, there was also a lot of, there were a lot of health benefits that were shown. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So that was really cool. And I was like, huh, virtual reality um, can be a can lot help, more. Yeah. <laughs> improve your health. <laughs> so I thought that was really awesome. And so, um, Jack, um, have you ever done what you described to be kind of like uh, the trailer version of like going out? Have you ever planned a vacation based on, you know, what you've seen through virtual reality? Um, unfortunately, no, I haven't. But I've, I, I think that would be a pretty cool experience to do. And uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to try it since some some of them or you can get like the cardboard Google ones for as little as like eight dollars. So <laughs> it's they're not too expensive. So I think it would be pretty fun to try out, but I haven't done it yet. Well, there's always, there's always a first time for everything, and I I do love how you described it, you know, uh, as a trailer, which is really awesome. And yeah, the cardboard is like really really fun to use and to kind of yeah exactly use as a trailer and I've used it to watch like little comedy sketches and I think it's really fun <laughs> and to the audience I definitely recommend putting in a little money and getting yourself a cardboard because okay. uh, you can yeah you can also build them which is really cool and you know you build them yourself you get them in a little a little plastic package as a flat piece of cardboard and you put them together and it's a little VR device that you can use on your own and it's pretty affordable as well. <laughs> Um, oh, Katie, uh, tell us a little more about Machu Picchu, though, um, about how the real thing compared with the picture. Well, you know, since I've seen a lot of pictures of Machu Picchu, it was definitely, uh, I definitely went thinking that I knew it all. But there's a lot of, you know, things that you don't really notice with, you know, just looking through a picture or even virtual reality will miss some things, as Jack mentioned before. Definitely. Well, thanks so much, Jack, for this amazing conversation. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, blogs, and more. We will be continuing our conversation, so stay tuned. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Katie Chu. Please visit our charity site at bethestarur.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash bethestarur.org. Stay right here as we continue our fascinating discussion on the gift of exploration. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at be the star you are radio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. 
Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Katie Chu. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. For this segment of Express Yourself, we are continuing our fascinating conversation on the gift of exploration. Today we have adventure and photographer Greg Debris with us on the show. Uh, Greg was born in Indiana and later moved to Arizona, and the two locations he spent his childhood in allowed him to greatly expand his horizons and experience different scenes of nature firsthand. In Indiana, he lived in a rural community with many opportunities to get out into nature and examine the outdoor world, and in Arizona, he discovered the Sonoran Desert, hunting, fishing, and riding on horseback um, throughout the desert. <laughs> uh, Greg worked on season. Uh, sorry, Greg worked as a seasonal firefighter, and he skied in the winters across Yosemite and other remote places. Throughout his life, he has taken many images of wildlife and wild places to share his adventures with the world. Last year, he fulfilled the incredible and lifelong dream of going to Antarctica. And at 66 years old, he will be continuing to wander and explore for as long as he is able. With that, let's welcome Greg onto the show. Hi, Greg. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Thank you. Uh, great to have you on. Uh, thank you for being here with us today. Um, what a perfect segment for your background. Uh, we're doing the gift of exploration. Uh, so let's just start off with the first question. You know, where have you been across the world? Uh, well, obviously, I've been to Antarctica. I mentioned that. Um, I've <laughs> explored uh, quite a bit of the South Pacific as well as uh, Hawaiian Islands. I lived there in the summers for about 15 years, so I spent a lot of time uh, paddling and snorkeling and hiking. Oh, wow. So it seems like you've been to a lot of different places, you know, just with that short bio, we t- you know, we heard about the desert, you know, you mentioned Antarctica, Yosemite, and, you know, traveling to all these places must have taken time. So when did you start exploring? Well, uh, you know, I, I started out as a young boy because there was a certain amount of wilderness behind my house and I was able to oh. walk back there and hike around. As a matter of fact, I just visited that area and re-hiked some of that area. <laughs> that must Going have been nice. <laughs> So Back to your roots. <laughs> yep. Um, with all the places you've explored, you know, something one that kind of stands out to me, maybe probably because a lot of people haven't been there, but Antarctica, that's, you know, far and really unique to go there. What was, what was it like? Well, it was uh, obviously a unique experience. Um, there were, one of the things I can say is there's no trash there. Um, and uh, the animals and uh, just the environment are foreign beyond belief. Yeah, there's got to be a lot of you know, different <laughs> wildlife there. Um, you know, it, 
it's really cold and it's the opposite side of the world kind of you're all the way down there and so Greg did you did you have any sort of training that you needed to you know really delve into and complete before embarking to Antarctica especially uh, yes, uh, we uh, started our training when we decided to go, uh, my friend and I, and we spent about a year and a half working on different uh, skills such as uh, kayaking, where we had to dump ourselves and make sure that we could get out. Uh, we had to practice, um, obviously, um, some of the other activities we were climbing, so crampons and that kind of stuff. Um, bottom line is we had to also buy a tremendous amount of unique equipment that I'll probably never use again. <laughs> yeah, it's one climate. Wow, that sounds that sounds really arduous. Oh my gosh. And so going back really quick to the wildlife that you saw, you know, um, what exactly did you see? You know, were there krill, penguins, <laughs> the stereotypical uh, stuff? Or oh, yeah, the very new? typical stuff. There was krill, penguins. One of the things that I noticed uh, underwater in Antarctica was that there wasn't a whole lot to see in terms of, you know, wildlife like you would see in uh, the tropics. But above water and all around, there's a lot of, you know, penguins, uh, seals, whales, a lot of mammals and birds. Mm. So you just mentioned going underwater, you know, in Antarctica. What isn't that really cold? <laughs> Uh, yes, I did not uh, take part in the snorkeling activities there, but I talked to the people that did, and uh, they said they saw limpets and kelp, and maybe a penguin would swim by. Uh, it didn't sound like a lot of fun, and they were able to only stay snorkeling for about 45 minutes because of the cold. Right, uh, yeah. Makes sense. Really, really, really cold down there. Yeah. I love penguins. They're my favorite animal. They're they're very cute. Or I've seen that they're kind of mean, though. Or so I've heard. <laughs> um, saw, hmm? They're very docile. Um, you can get very very close to a penguin. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't ever. You know, there were certain uh, barriers that we you know had. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, you know, they might snap at your finger if you stuck it into it. But they were very docile. Uh, I met uh, uh-huh. one penguin in the middle of the night when I went down to the ocean to go to the bathroom. And he just kind of stood there and looked at me. And I looked at him. And, of course, it's daylight. So we just kind of said hi to each other. And he swam <laughs> away. A nice, a nice little human-animal interaction. <laughs> yes. Perfect. <laughs> so with your experience at Antarctica, are you, would you plan on going back anytime soon? Uh, no. Um, it's, <laughs> it, we were told by our guides that we probably had the most exciting, adventurous trip that they had seen in a long time. A lot of times wow. people would get off the boat maybe two or three times in the 14 days. Mm-hmm. We got off the boat f- as much as three times a day and went oh exploring. And so they basically told us, you know, I think you got the best tour. I wouldn't try to come back. <laughs> you know, it's a once-in-a-lifetime once experience. And so, um, Greg, you know, this is going to Antarctica must have been, you know, something that you out of only so many people can really say you did. Was it frightening? You know, were you scared to go out there and, you know, delve into new territory? Uh, no, um, and partly it's because of the guides. Um, being around people that are very confident and have a lot of experience, you don't really feel the fear 
um, because they're they they know that they know the environment, they know what's going on. They'll tell you what's going to happen. Uh, they'll tell you what could happen. And no, I felt very very safe down there. Oh wow! So, how many people were with you then? Considering uh, were, that it's a unique trip. <laughs> uh, there were fifty. Um, oh. 50 people. It was a small boat. Um, we picked a small boat because we could get into smaller harbors, uh, get into places mm-hmm. where the other larger boats couldn't go. Yeah, so how? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so you know, with 50 people going on the trip, um, did, what kind of people were they? Were they all explorers, kind of like you, or were they, you know, just general average people that you might just you know, meet some, you know, at the mall. <laughs> uh, yes, they were generally average people. Again, obviously, it, it's a very expensive endeavor, so you, right. I mean, you have to have the, the funds and stuff. But yeah, they're regular folks. I, most of them were from Australia because the uh, company was based in Australia. But there oh, were wow. some Israelis, there was a Croatian, uh, some Brits, and uh, a few Americans, a handful. <laughs> Very diverse, you know. You've got got an entire population, and you guys, I guess, all went through a once in a lifetime journey together. So that's cool. uh, it's interesting. Some of them have been there several times. Oh my god! <laughs> wow, oh. that's that's really amazing. <laughs> uh, and so, Greg, jumping back onto some of the other adventures that you've had, um, are there any standout, you know, moments from any of the experiences that you've gone through, maybe in the South Pacific or from your childhood? Um, I think probably some of the standout ones uh, happened a couple of years ago where um, we were hiking the John Muir Trail and one of my team got sick and I had to, I was the medical I, I had the most medical knowledge of the group, and so I uh, opted to take him out, and that was uh, kind of sketchy for a couple of days, but I was able to get him out with the help of many strangers. Oh, wow. That must have been an experience. <laughs> uh, it was, definitely. Oh, I guess, you know, in times of peril, all those humans just come and band together, and it's great that you were able to get him out of there, out of that situation. Yeah, it was actually a, a really rewarding experience for everyone involved. Yeah, you definitely gain a lot of knowledge, I guess. Um, and it's great that you were there. And so, um, you know, jumping off of that kind of a, on a related topic, have you ever had any really cool interactions with the wildlife other than the penguins um, in different areas that you'd like to share with the audience? Uh, yeah, um, a few years ago I started uh, open water swimming in uh, Hawaii. And my partner and I would swim, you know, miles out into the ocean or across bays and stuff and we were swimming along about in the middle of Hanalei Bay and I just chanced to look up and I saw a bunch of fins coming at us and I poked my friend and I said uh, this could be dangerous and he looked up and said oh boy porpoises and so the, the, porp- or the dolphins came through and they swam around us and we watched them for a while so that was kind of a unique experience oh, wow. and, uh, I was able to turn fear into fun. <laughs> yeah, that must have been, you know, to see them right in front of you, kind of going around you. So when you have all these trips, you know, you just mentioned kind of, you know, going to, you know, Antarctica aside, you know, just going into the water, you know, going on trails. Do you often do a lot of research before heading out? Um, 
Yes and no. Uh, a lot of times, you know, especially with uh, the, the John Muir Trail and Antarctica, yes, tremendous amounts of research. Planning goes into it, um, you know, months and months of planning and training uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that you have the best chance of succeeding in what you're doing. Right, right. I, I think got it. Yeah. a goal. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. You can go. Yeah, I was just about to say, uh, definitely, I guess you really got to have a goal and set your mind to it. Um, we, My family recently went on a road trip up to Washington State to Olympic National Park. And, you know, my mom hadn't really set a complete roadmap of kind of what we were going to do, where we were going to go. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was really fun. It was beautiful. But it was also a bit of a mess just because we didn't have a lot of research. We didn't have too much planning. It was a little bit spontaneous. And so, you know, I guess you definitely really got to plan everything out, especially with something like the John Muir Trail or, you know, national parks, I feel like, if you're going hiking. Well, some things you plan and some things you don't. I just got back from that area, as a matter of fact. I just traveled uh, across the country, uh, and um, I adopted the uh, let's wake up and figure out what we're going to do today, and let's make some turns and twists and stuff. Um, And so a lot of times serendipity is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I think one of the, you know, biggest things that a lot of people kind of worry about with exploration is kind of the fear of maybe not coming back with anything, you know, like having gone to a far place or going deep into some project or going, you know, going somewhere and not, you know, getting as much of a reward as you hoped for. But definitely, you know, whether you plan or not, it seems like exploration definitely has its benefits and listening to your experiences. So thanks so much, Greg, for this wonderful conversation. Unfortunately, we are out of time with this segment. During the break, be sure to check our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for Be The Star You Are Literacy and Positive Media Charity. More info is under events at our website at www.btsya.org. I'm Katie Chu. Please visit expressyourselfteenradio.com for more information about our show. When we come back, we'll be back with Greg Debris and continuing our inspiring conversation on the gift of exploration. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. 
Our program is Express Yourself. I'm Brigitte Gia, and today's hour is all about the gift of exploration. And I'm Katie Chu. Back with us in this segment is adventurer and photographer extraordinaire Greg Debris. Greg spent his childhood in Indiana and Arizona and explored places like the Sonoran Desert and the Sea of Cortez at a young age, learning to scuba dive and surf at age 16 and experiencing the Sierra Nevada mountain ranges in full at 18. He spent 30 years with the ranges and Yosemite at Yosemite and in 2000 familiarized himself with the islands of Hawaii with his wife by his side. Currently 66, he will continue to immerse himself in the wonders of the natural world for as long as he is able, and has even been to the remote continent of Antarctica. With that, let's welcome Greg back onto the show. Hey, Greg. Hello. So, you know, we were just kind of talking about exploration and how, you know, for a lot of people, they kind of worry about exploration possibly being dangerous or not having its rewards, but you've, you're, you know... Uh, adventure and photographer extraordinaire having traveled to so many different places so what are your motivations for choosing an adventure and going there well i think there's two um and one is uh you know you get motivated when you're young uh the antarctic trip uh was inspired into me by my father when i was seven years old uh and so that's been a long-term kind of goal other things i've just said yes to (laughs) Really? Like which ones? Uh, the firefighting uh, uh, thing that I did for uh, six seasons up in uh, up in the, uh, the Sierra Nevada and all over California was a day where I talked to my boss and he said, "Hey, you want to be a firefighter?" And I said, "Yeah, I'd like to be a firefighter." Sure. <laughs> one. Wow, that's that's amazing. You know, just being able to say yes to that. You know, a lot of people might say no, but. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it ties into ties into the spontaneity and the serendipity that you were talking about uh, in the first segment. I guess just really going out there, <laughs> having an adventure, and planning each day as you live it. Um, and so, you know, going back to really like motivations, I I think it's interesting um, that this was brought up just because a lot of people have finding themselves as their motivation, right? You're like, it's like the, the stereotypical midlife crisis thing where you <laughs> go out and travel to find yourself in a foreign place. And so, Greg, what do you think about that? Uh, do you have an opinion about it? Do you think it's uh, a valid motivation to uh, quote unquote find yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, I, my midlife crisis was becoming a firefighter. So, um, yeah, when I turned 41, I became a firefighter. So, yeah, that is definitely uh, you, you're finding yourself, finding your spot. And it was probably the best six summers of my life. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> for, for, for some, you know, just to be able to call an experience the best moment of your life means... You know, that it's really something extraordinary. And, you know, so many people say, oh, yeah, I'd like to travel the world. I'd like to go these places. And, you know, when we're younger and people ask you, what's your dream? A lot of kids say, I want to travel the world. But people can't get that, you know, just enough motivation to actually put that into action and be able to go places or be able to devote enough time to that. But it's amazing that you were able to find motivation to go to places like Antarctica. And it's really unique that it started, you know, from childhood, from, you know, just getting that idea 
from such a young age and finally being able to do it later on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, if there was any advice, I'd say would be just say yes. If someone asks you to do mm-hmm. something, say yes, as long as it's legal and um, <laughs> it's moral, then say yes. Yeah. I guess you really get a lot of stuff out of life when you do that and you really milk your experiences to the utmost. Um, so, you know, um, you've been to all of these different places. You've explored Hawaii. You've been in the Sierra Nevada. Um, what are some of your favorite spots? You know, are there any best places that you've been to and maybe photographed? Um, well, I think uh, the Sierra Nevada has some beautiful uh, uh, things to see. Hawaii has a tremendous amount of things. And seriously, yeah. you can't take a bad picture in Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> you'd be hard-pressed. Uh, the, the air is so uh, conducive to uh, pictures. The colors are wonderful. Um, I've literally taken tens of thousands of, of images in Hawaii. And um, some of them are on my wall and some of them are on my computer. Most of them are on my computer. Um, I think for wildlife, uh, what I found on my last trip was that concentrations of wildlife are sparse. Are they are they more everywhere or are they just all uh, no, across the island? There's small places where you can find wildlife. I was at uh, Custer State Park. Um, a few days, I'm actually a couple of weeks ago, and um, a lot of concentration of wildlife. I mean, you got to get there early in the morning. You got to drive around and look, and they will show up. Uh, but uh, you know, driving across the the Great Plains, I saw very little. I guess you really got to seek them out. Um, <laughs> oh, really quick um, on Hawaii. Just curious, have you? Have you been to the Black Sands beaches? You know, they're really famous for that. And, like, the volcanoes, how, how was that? Have you seen them? Yes, I went to the volcanoes and the Black Sand beaches uh, for one little excursion on the Big Island. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're very nice. Uh, the volcanoes are a very unique experience. Uh, one of the things that I, I would caution anyone is that you'd better be able to take a shower afterwards because you stink. <laughs> All the so, minerals, really. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So with going to, you know, all these places, we've talked a lot about your, this adventurous side of you and like all these places you've been to. But, you know, we also just kind of got into your photography. And I, I just had a quick question, you know, was it, did you get into, you know, traveling for your photography or after traveling, did you realize that photography is kind of, was what, could be one of your passions. I think it coincided uh, simultaneously. Uh, photography has always been a part of my travels. I tried. I've tried many times to uh, always bring a camera and mm-hmm. take as many pictures as possible um, of different things. Underwater photography was a big thing for a while with me, and mm-hmm. um, now that uh, there's no film, I feel like I can shoot as many pictures as I want. It's all digital. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so oh. do you s- oh go ahead oh, it's fine it's fine don't worry go ahead so um with you know your you just kind of said you try to bring your camera everywhere you go do you look for certain pictures to shoot or look for very specific images when you go places 
Yes, uh, there's certain things that I'm looking for at all times. And then there's the haphazard, oh, I just got a shot of a buffalo walking down the middle of the road. I mean, <laughs> those things just don't happen. You just got to shoot them. <laughs> you just got to get that, get that moment down and really act fast, I guess. Pull out your camera. Uh, pull out your phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, yeah, like everything is so versatile nowadays and so easy uh, maybe not completely easy. You still got to go through training as you did in Antarctica. But there's there's so many travel apps and like different magazines online and like Pinterest and all of that. That's really cool. I think that gives the individual kind of access to travel. Um, and so, Greg, what would you suggest to someone who's interested in adventure travel and maybe thinking about doing some of the things that you've done? Um, I would say, you know, do your research. Do what you passionately try to do. Try to get enough training so that you're comfortable. Um, when you're uh, scuba diving, obviously you need to be trained. When you're skiing, you obviously have to have some kind of training. Climbing, again, takes some skills. You know, whatever you do, I would look around to find out. I mean, you could YouTube an awful lot of stuff and learn a tremendous <laughs> amount just through YouTube. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, uh, there has, you just mentioned that you have the best way to really enjoy a trip or, you know, it could be, you know, kind of on the spot, but a lot of research definitely could, and training could have its benefits. But, you know, you kind of mentioned earlier how, um, really with photography and with, uh, with, having adventures some of them are on the spot so were any trips canceled or aborted ever due to weather or safety or illnesses along the way uh yes uh, many times uh i have attempted to climb mount rainier mount hood and a few other uh, large uh mountains and uh weather got in the way equipment got in the way uh, you always want to, from my standpoint, I think it's best to uh, look at the situation, size up the situation and decide, you know, the mountain's always going to be there. The ocean's always going to be there. Uh, you can leave now and come back later. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, man, speaking of Mount Rainier, um, or Rainier, sorry, pronunciation. Yeah, we went up to Washington State um, and my mom and I hiked up there or we didn't. We didn't climb up the mountain, but we took a little trail, and it was pretty cloudy, and we had to give it up. Um, but yeah, as you said, they're always there. The mountains are moving maybe an inch a year, so we're all good. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> um, Most definitely. So, Greg, are you, you know, you've been to all these different places. You visited a lot of the continents on Earth. Are you planning on visiting any, you know, Asia or Africa sometime in the future? I'm looking towards visiting all because I figured Antarctica is like the hardest one to get to. Um, so you just go from there. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually I started from there, you know, and I've got South America, North America down. I've got Oceania down. Um, the one place that I have some difficulty, well, actually two. I have difficulty with uh, Asia and Africa. Asia, I think I'll end up going more to Siberia. And Africa, I'm not sure. i got to find some more things. My daughter lived in Africa for a while, and it was not a good experience for her. Uh, <laughs> the climate, so, and then you've yeah. got all the different cultures as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to immerse yourself. Do you have any, you know, uh, do you have a particular place that 
you really look forward to going now since you've kind of fulfilled that childhood dream of going to, you know, Antarctica, you've kind of, you just mentioned you kind of crossed that off your list now. Mm-hmm. So is there something that was kind of second on your list, like what, a place uh, that you really want to go now? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Australia, for sure. And then that whole area down there, I'm planning a trip there either in the spring or next year, uh, ne- either next spring or somewhere in the following years to go there. That's always been another thing that uh, has always poked me when I was young, and I would still like to go. I, I definitely want to go there. Definitely. Wow, it's it's pretty amazing that you've been able to fulfill your childhood dream, and I think a lot of people can't really say that about their own you know, childhood bucket list, and really amazing. Well, Greg, thank you so much for this great conversation. I really had a really good time listening to some of your adventures and what you've done throughout the years. Sadly, it is time to say farewell. Uh, We give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, Matt. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Katie Chu. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, go to www.expressyourselfteenradio.com and our main site at www.bethestarur.org. Until next week, be kind, explore the world, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. Produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between.